Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Before I preach this word, I want to just tell you um, that everybody's welcome to this church. I want you to know that. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is, what your skin color is. It doesn't matter to me because I've been there and been at some of the lowest places in my life and all of us come from different places, but I know that the day I walked through those doors in 2002, I was embraced with love and arms, and those same love and arms are embracing you today no matter who you are, Amen. because Jesus Christ is here. But I know that one day I'm going to be standing before the Lord, and I'm going to have to give an account of how I shepherded this flock and how I preached the word, and that thing weighs heavy on me, knowing that I'll have to stand before God one day and give an account for my preaching and for the way I led this church. And I told the first service, there's sometimes I wish that, uh, you know, you could just see what it feels like, you know, sometimes as a preacher, the wrestling that goes on on the inside of what, what you need to do when you want to hear from God and you want to share God's word. And, and, you know, I told him, I said, you know, we could have easily just went right along and I could have preached a message right now about how God can make a way for you. And we could have clapped and sang kumbaya and went home and all of us just happy. But that's not the message that God laid on my heart for today. And I want to share with you real briefly what I believe God would want us to hear today that would be uh, hopefully an encouragement to you, but also a, a, a wake-up call to you. I titled this message today, Clear and Present Danger. Clear and present danger. The scripture I'm about to share with you is a scripture I wrote down in my Bible journal about two years ago. And I feel like because of where we are today, especially in our nation, but also in the church. across When I say church, I mean the church in America. I believe it's something that we need to hear today. And it's time to be released to share this message that God has laid on my heart. As we look across our land today, going into one of the most important times of history here when we get ready to decide the leadership of our country in different ways. As we survey the land today, I think that we would look and see because of the condition of our nation and the condition of what some of our churches look like. I would tell you today, and I think you would all agree and you could all see with your own eyes that we are in clear and present danger. And when... When you look at this passage in Exodus 32, I'm not going to be able to read it to you for the sake of time, but I want you to write it down. Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Write it down so you can go back and read it later. But I want to highlight some things for you before I preach uh, this message. In Exodus 32, you have the people of God who have been in bondage in Egypt. And now they've been delivered out of Egypt led by a man named Moses. And as he's, being, as he's the leader leading them out, they come to the Red Sea and God makes a way like we were singing a while ago and he rescues them from the army of Pharaoh and, and they go on and they find themselves after uh, a few months of traveling through the wilderness, they find themselves out at Mount Sinai. 
Mount Sinai is a, a mountain there, and, and Moses has gone to the top of this mountain to have a conversation with God because God is about to give him the law, the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets, the stone tablets that we read about in Scripture. And Moses is at the top of the mountain, and at the very bottom of the mountain is the nation of Israel, God's people. They're all surrounded at the bottom. And, and while uh, Moses is at the top, the people at the bottom are down at the bottom. And Moses has been gone now 40 days and 40 nights. And they become impatient with him. Where is Moses? Why hadn't he come back down yet? And what they do next is really something that really just began to change their whole nation. And brought judgment on them. And it says that they gathered Aaron. And they asked Aaron to make a God for them. And Aaron told them, take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So the people took all their jewelry and they brought it to Aaron. And Aaron uh, made it into an idol that was cast into the shape of a calf. And he fashioned it with a tool. And then they began to say, this calf is our God, the God that brought us out of Egypt. And then Aaron built an altar there. And then it says they went on and they started to, to dance and they started to eat and they started to drink and they started to celebrate and indulge themselves in, in pagan revelry. They had created this golden idol in their life. And then God, from the top of the mountain, He sees their idol worship and He sees what they've done and how they have forgotten Him. And He stops the conversation with Moses and He says, Moses, go back down to them. And, and God is so angry that God is about to destroy them. And Moses begins to cry out to God to please forgive them. And it says in the Bible that God relented of His anger and He spared them from destroying them. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that right now, Lord, that it will be received, God, and most of all, it will be declared in love. That we would all be encouraged, God, through your word today. And we know it does not return void, so speak to us in Jesus' name. God said, I want you to look down there at the bottom of the mountain. These people have become corrupt. They have become corrupt. And we look across our nation today, and we look even in our churches today, and we can see that our land and our churches are filled with corruption. It's a clear and present danger for these people here uh, at the bottom of this mountain because now they're worshiping idols. Instead of worshiping God and giving God all their praise and living for God, now they have forgot God, and now they have created this golden calf that they can worship and friend that that danger that they're in now is because sin has come into their life. They've rebelled against God and they're worshiping in idols. And now corruption has come to the nation. Corruption has come to the nation. And I believe today that right here in America, the time that we're in, the church in America today, we're in clear and present danger because we're doing the same thing that they did at Mount Sinai. We're doing the exact same thing. We see in our churches and in our nation the corruption caused by quickly turning away from Jesus and turning to idols. People that are worshiping these golden gods now instead of worshiping the one true living God. And the result of this idol worship, the result of this golden calf worship... It's called sin and idolatry. And because of this sin and idolatry, we now see the moral decay of our land. And now we see the spiritual decay of our land. We're in danger today, friend. We're in danger today because we have indulged ourselves in worship to gods of gold instead of Jesus Christ. When the Bible tells us to love Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our soul. 
We have become corrupt. You don't believe me? Look at our nation today. Look at our nation today. Same-sex marriage, marriage redefined, it's legalized all across the nation. Bathrooms that are opened up for transgender to walk in, a man to go into a lady's bathroom. Sex trafficking boys and girls is one of the largest industries in America and across the world today. Man, it should be breaking our heart. We are corrupt people. We are so corrupt people. I read this story this past week how they're taking these, these young boys and young girls between the age of 11 and like 15 and just giving them to these adult men to just, uh, just abuse them sexually all day long. We are corrupt. We have become a corrupt nation. Taking the lives of innocent babies through abortion. Greed, trying to fill our pockets with more and more. And lies and deception, trying to ruin and tear down people's lives. And the corruption keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The nation that we live in today is in clear and present danger. And not only is the nation in danger, but the church in America is in danger today. When you look across our nation today, you don't tell me that churches are not in danger when all across our nation... Churches are ordaining gays and lesbians to be ministers of their churches. Children being molested in churches and the leadership of the church trying to cover it up. Pastors standing together just this past week. Pastors, people who claim to be men of God, standing in front of a Planned Parenthood that supports abortion, claiming that they're for it. Corruptions in the church. Preachers standing in pulpits robbing people of their money because of greed. Preachers using the F word in their sermons in the name of tolerance trying to reach and connect to those they call sinners. Preachers who claim to be men of God when the word of God tells us that we should be praying for those in authority or standing up and tearing down the leadership of this country. Churches singing songs of the world that glorify marijuana and alcohol in their services. I wish I was making this stuff up, but I'm not making it up, I promise you. The American church is in clear and present danger. How in the world could the church and the nation become so corrupt? Well, just like the Israelites, we start seeking after these golden calves instead of seeking God. And I'm here to warn you today, friend. I'm warning you because I love you. You could be in danger today as well because you're worshiping golden gods instead of worshiping the one true living God, Jesus Christ. Jesus warned us in the church. He warned us in Revelation. He said to the church in Ephesus that you have lost your first love. Come on, church. Have we lost our first love? What Jesus is saying, in other words, these golden calves in our life, they have, taken it, they have taken us away from loving Christ. We love the things of the world more than we do love Jesus Christ now. Our, our, our eyes are on the things of the world more than they are on God. We would rather have the, the things, the calves, the golden calves of the world than to have Jesus Christ. And when you get to a place where those calves take over your life and you no longer worship Jesus, that's a dangerous place. And I asked myself this question. This is, I'm thinking, why in the world? How in the world could these people forget God so quickly? 
How in the world could they forget God so quickly? I mean, just a few months before, they're being delivered out of Egypt. They're being brought through the Red Sea. And now they come out of the Red Sea and they're singing a song of deliverance. They're singing a song praising God for what He's done in their life. And just a few months later, now they're singing a song and dancing with the perversion of the world. What in the world happened? It amazes me. It amazes me how quickly we forget who God is and all He's done for us. Have you ever been that way? God's really done something in your life, and then next thing you know, he, He's not first no more. He's on the back burner. I'll, I'll, I'll get Him when I need Him. Let's put Him in the attic right now. When we need God again, we'll bring Him back down into our family again. How easily we forget God. He showed me this a few weeks ago when Lisa and I were in New York City for that pastor's conference, and we took a tour of the 9-11 Museum. Has anybody here been to the 9-11 Museum? You need to go if you've never been. One of the most powerful things. They are, it ought to be required that every uh, child in the United States should have to go through that museum. When you walk in that museum, you walk in and they carry you through this timeline, and, and you almost feel like you're there on that day of September the 11th. You feel like you're right there with them as you walk through this, this timeline. And you keep walking, and you relive what happened on, those, on that day, that horrific day when we were attacked right here in our own land. And I will tell you, when I was in there, before I could ever get out, my head was pounding, my head was hurting because of holding back the emotion and holding back the tears of what you encounter when you go in that place. And then when you go in and come about midway through and come toward the end after the attacks on our land, you see something very beautiful start to happen in the midst of tragedy. You see people coming together in unity. You see people, no matter their race, loving one another, helping one another, encouraging one another. You see flags flying everywhere you look. You see church houses full of people seeking after God. But here's what really broke my heart. What broke my heart is when I left the museum. When we came out of that museum after seeing that unity, after seeing that beauty, after seeing a place where people were just seeking after God at one time in history, and when we walked out of that museum and walked out onto the streets in New York, here's what we see. We see corruption. We see perversion. We see greed. We see hate. We see divisions. You see streets full of people worshiping golden calves instead of worshiping Jesus. And I felt like God said to me, that's just how easy we forget about Him. 9-11 brought unity. 9-11 was a time when people were seeking after God, but then when everything settled down and everything become well, people started rebuilding those calves in their life again. People started rebuilding those golden calves, and instead of turning to God and walking with God, now they've turned away from God, and now they're building these big golden images that they can worship and live after now. And they have forgot God. We're in a clear and present danger, friend, when we quickly forget and turn from God. You're in danger this morning if you've turned from God. You're in danger this morning if you uh, have quickly forgot what God's done for you. You're in danger today if you continue to build those golden calves in your life and let that pull you away from Jesus Christ. You're in danger today, friend. Please listen to me. In this passage of Scripture I share with you today, God stopped this conversation with Moses because he saw the perversion and the corruption in the nation because they had bowed down to this idol. God said this. He says, I see the people. 
He says, I'm looking from top of the mountain, and I see the people, and they've turned their back on me quickly, and now they're worshiping this golden calf. Let me tell you something, friend. God sees everything. He sees everything. He sees everything you do here in this church. He sees everything you do in your home. He sees everything you do at your work. He sees everything you do in the community. Wherever you go, God sees you. Proverbs 5.21 says this, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his past. God sees everything. He sees the sin in our lives. He sees the sin in the church. He sees the sin in this nation today. We're in danger today, friend, if we think God does not see and that God is not watching. He's not going to overlook the rebellion and idolatry in our life. He's not going to overlook the greed. He's not going to overlook the pride. He's not going to overlook the abortion. He's not going to overlook the sexual morality. He's not going to overlook the sin. He is going to deal with it. And when he deals with it, friend, there's going to be consequences to pay. For the Bible tells us in this story that we were going to face the wrath of God. We're going to face the wrath of God if we don't turn from our evil ways. He said here to Moses, leave me alone so that my wrath may burn against them that I may destroy them. You see, God's wrath is God's way of dealing with sin. God is holy. God is just. God is perfect. God is going to deal with sin and he's going to deal with it with his wrath. And I know a lot of you are saying right now, preacher, that's old school. That's Old Testament. Well, no, it's not. Paul said in the New Testament, in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It's not old school. It's not new school. It's Bible school. And unless we turn from our wicked ways and turn and destroy these golden calves in our life, we will face the wrath of God. Because the Lord sees everything. I wonder what the Lord sees when He looks at your life right now. I wonder what the Lord sees when He looks at our nation right now. I know His heart breaks. I wonder what the Lord sees when He looks into our churches right now all across America. I know His heart breaks. I wonder what happens when He sees you. Does He see a people? Does He see a people today that's turned to the things of the world and rejected Him? If so, friend, let me tell you something. If you have rejected God, if you have willfully Turn your back on God and walk away from God. Friend, you will face the wrath of God. And I say that with all love and, in, and hopes and warning you that you would turn today and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking right now. This is the worst doom and gloom message I have ever heard in my life. But I'm obeying God. But I want to tell you, friend, there is hope. There is hope today. And Moses shows us what the hope is. Moses shows us the hope. The hope is if we'll cry out to God. Cry out to God and pray. Cry out to God and we'll see him begin to work. Moses here in Exodus 32, 11 began to cry out to God. And that's what we need to do. Cry out for God for mercy on our people today. Cry out for mercy in our church. Cry out for mercy in our nation. Cry out for mercy in our homes today. God help us to have a burden to cry out to God. Cry out to God for the condition of our nation. Cry out to God for the condition of our churches. Cry out to God as we weep for those that are lost. Let me ask you this morning. Do you really cry out to God for the lost? The ones that are unsaved and on their way to hell? Do you really care that people are dying today and leaving this world without Jesus? Does it bother you that your mama's unsaved? Does it bother you that your daddy's unsaved? Does it bother you that your daughter or your son's unsaved? Does it put a burden on you to make you want to get on your knees and cry out and say, Lord, please have mercy on my, my loved ones that you would save them. 
God, help us to cry out for the sinner. Help us to cry out in repentance. Help us to cry out for a spiritual awakening upon our land. Help us to cry out for a fire to set ablaze in our souls for the things of God and not the things of this world. God, set a fire to help us cry out for holiness. Uh, Help us to cry out for unity. Help us to cry out for peace in our land today. Father, may you do a work here in our life. And Moses took a stand in prayer. And I want to tell you as I wind it down here that the only hope for us, friend, listen to me, the only hope that we have today is for people to raise up that are anointed prayer warriors that can intercede like Moses did. We need some Moses today that will stand between God and stand between people who are lost and a nation that is lost and corrupt and people that will call and cry out to God. We need some anointed prayer warriors. We need some anointed prayer warriors, people that will pray at home, pray at church, pray wherever you're at, praying and believing God to do a work in our churches and our nation. God's not looking for Republicans, and God's not looking for Democrats. God is looking for anointed people who will bring Him glory and have a life of prayer. Praise God. Praise God. And the good news is, Thank the Lord of some good news today, right? The good news is that all across our land today in different places, God is raising up some anointed Moses to be intercessors to pray. And we're seeing God doing, do some great things right here in our own area. Let me give you an example. The good news I tell you today, that leaders right here in our own community, one of them was here this morning. Leaders that are right here in our community are, are calling and seeking out for the church to pray for them so they would have wisdom and direction as they govern and lead our communities. I'm grateful that we have leaders that believe there's power in prayer. We have uh, people in our local schools that believe in the power of prayer. Teachers in the classroom that are calling on prayer. Students gathered around the flagpole at North Duplin praying, at Johnston County praying, Spring Creek praying, different schools praying. And I use these as examples because I know them to be the truth. But I was invited to go and pray over the school at North Duplin and over the staff and the children because that principal there believes in the power of prayer. I was invited to go and, and do a prayer over the North Duplin High School football game after the storm. To go up in the press box and lead a prayer over everybody in the stands. And I was able to go pray and it was only because a principal at North Duplin was courageous enough to take a stand and know there's power in prayer. And I praise God for that. Joined together with the Board of Education at Duplin County, praying as Dr. Abbasahan led that prayer time. Praying around this altar Monday with different pastors in the community, praying for our nation and praying for the harvest. Praying here on FaceTime night, praying for the harvest. Why are we praying? Because we believe in the power of prayer. And in desperate times, we need to pray. And friend, we're in a desperate time in America today. We need to pray. Pastor Kevin, if you'll come and help me, brother. This crowd's getting hungry, I can tell. (laughs) I want you to notice after Moses prayed. When he prayed, God answered his prayer. Has God ever answered prayer for you? He prayed and God answered. 
And it's not time for us to back off from our prayer life. We need to continue to pray and seek the Lord. Moses pleaded in prayer and God showed mercy. Moses cried out to God in desperation and God spared the nation. That tells me this morning that our prayers have impact on our churches and they have impact on our nation. And that's why we're getting ready to gather around this altar and pray for our nation. Man, if we've ever needed prayer, we need it now. It's getting worse and worse and more violent by the day. I know some of you don't like me saying that kind of stuff, but it's the truth. Moses prayed and God showed up. How many of y'all need God to show up today in your life? I know I do. I need Him to show up. When we pray to God, God responds. If you need forgiveness in your life because of sin, if you will repent of that sin and confess it to God in prayer, He will forgive you. If you pray to God and you need restoration in your home or in your marriage or with your family, you need God to put something back together for you, friend, pray God can do it. I said God can do it. Pray to God to show His glory. That's what Moses prayed for. Keep right on reading. You'll, say he, you'll see where Moses cried out to God, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, don't let your presence depart from me and just reveal your glory. Man, what a prayer. That's what I want. God, your presence never to depart from me, to walk with you, that every day I walk, God, I just experience the glory of God in my life. Don't you want that? Don't you want it for your church? Don't you want it for your nation? I know we do. We all do. And it's going to come through prayer. I want to close with this here. Moses stood in the gap for some sinful people. And that's just a picture of Jesus Christ. Man, Jesus went to the cross for us. He took our place. The Bible says he's the only mediator between God and men. He's the only one that can satisfy that payment. He's the only one because he's the one that shed his blood. And his blood washes away our sins. It makes our hearts new. makes us new. But what we have to do is we have to repent. Stop making excuses for your sin. Quit blaming others for your sin. If there's any golden calves in your life right now, you just need to say, Lord, I need you to take them down, tear them down right now because I mean business. I want to get right with you, God. The Bible says in Acts 3.19, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshment may come from the presence of the Lord. This gentleman back here today, his sins have been blotted out. <laughs> Hallelujah. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, your sins have been blotted out. I, I, I love what Moses said. Moses, boy, he got a little riled up now. Come down the mountain and broke the law, dropped the tablets. Then he looks at everybody and says, what in the world's going on around here? And then he looks at everybody and says, you know what? This is a question I have for you. Whose side are you on today? Whose side are you on? Are you on the Lord's side or are you going to continue to worship these golden calves? Let me ask you today. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? I'm on Jesus' side. Would you bow your heads with me, please, all across this place? Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning, before we 
pray and, and go around the altar here to call out for our nation. Is there anyone here today that would like to give their life to Jesus Christ? He's the only one that can save you, friend. I'm not telling you that everything is going to be a bed of roses and going to be a cakewalk, but I'm telling you that you will have a peace with him that surpasses all understanding, a peace with God, and then he'll put the peace of God in you. And no matter what happens in your world, you will not be shaken, but you'll have Jesus with you because of your faith in him. Is there anybody here right now that would like to give their life to Jesus Christ? Nobody's looking around. Would you lift your hand right now? Just lift your hand and say, that's me. Come on, be honest. I see the hand, son. God bless you. Is there others? Come on, lift your hand. I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to surrender all to Jesus. Come on, we're going to wait just a few more minutes, friend. Don't, don't let the devil win this battle. Don't let the devil win. Praise God. God sees that hand. You can put it down, sir. You can put it down, son. Right there where you're at, the ones that lifted their hands, and even if you didn't lift your hand, you can just say in your prayer, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I repent today, God, of my sin. I turn from it, and I put my faith in you, the work of the cross. I know you died on that cross for me. You took my place, and your blood was poured out for the forgiveness of my sins so they can be blotted out. And today, God, I'm going to live for you. I thank you for rescuing me and saving me and giving me a new heart and a new home and a new life. And this day forward, God, I'm going to walk with you, God, and I pray that you'll just be with me, God, that I may bring glory to your name. Destroy those golden calves in my life, God. I want to be completely surrendered and submitted to you. Save me, Jesus. And give me a home in heaven today that I can look forward to in the name of Jesus Christ.